Well, you're on Intune, and we're talking HIV and AIDS, especially amongst youth. Where are we failing in educating youth about HIV and AIDS? The, the highest amount of new infections are happening in the age group 15 to 24. Um, still, even with all the education that we have that's you know, readily available on so many different platforms, I'm joined on the line by Dr. Figi Lenzlovu, General Manager um, of HIV and AIDS for the province of KwaZulu-Natal. Um, Dr. Lenzlovu, good evening, good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good afternoon, my lady and the listeners. All right. Also on the line is Debbie Fanzale, co-director of the Community Media Trust. Debbie, good afternoon. Welcome to the talk shop. Good afternoon, my lady and listeners. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. Debbie, just talk to us about what the Community Media Trust is. Uh, so we are a national NGO uh, implementing uh, programs, health education programs uh, through community media and outreach programs under our Siangoba brand. And you're targeting young people with your community outreach programs? We are, and um, uh, we, we currently are setting up a whole lot of new programs that are specific, specifically targeting young women and girls. Yeah. Um, and you're still setting these, these programs up. I'm, I'm wondering if we, if we in South Africa are really still struggling to come to grips with how high the number of new infections are in young women. Dr. Nrovu, I remember, I, I, I hear that you spoke to my producer and you contested the stat that I put forward, that 26% of young girls are HIV positive by the time they reach matric. You say that number is not correct. Oh, yes. I, I, we needed to start correcting that. I think that was misquoted in another talk somewhere else. It's actually 12%, but it's still very high if you consider it's young people that's between the age of 15 and 19 and at 12%. And that is three times bigger than the young men at the same age. Mm. And from there, the statistics start to increase. Uh, by the time then you reach your 28, 28 years, that's when it gets to the 20s. But at 15 to 19, but you can imagine that 12% is coming from a very low rate of about 2% mm. uh, when they come in, 1%, almost zero, and they come in at, at 12 years, less than 12 years. So that is worrying if you look at the kind of increase that yeah. goes in. Uh, yeah. yes. The point is, though, that even if the statistic is 12% of these young girls are HIV positive by the time they reach matric, only 4% of their male counterparts are HIV positive by the time they get to matric. That means these girls are not having sex with their peers. Uh, the evidence is, is there because if they were having their sex with their peers, they would all be in the same age range of and, and, and research is showing that young girls are having sex with partners or people who are almost eight years older. Mm. And mm. that is where the rate of disinfection is a bit higher for, for men at that, at, that, at that stage. And that is where the challenge is that we are facing. And I think if we agree as South Africans, over a long time we've, we have been talking about this, the age gap. And, and the, the result of that in terms of infecting our young women. Mm. Yeah, you see, and, and then we can sit here and talk about awareness programs and, um, you know, how we need to be educating them. But when you look at blesser, blessy, sugar daddy type relationships, these are relationships where um, a lot of these young girls are quite desperate and that is why they choose these type of relationships. So 
is it that we we've been tackling the whole idea of awareness in the wrong way debbie we've just been talking educating people about how hiv actually uh works without talking about socioeconomic pressures for these young girls debbie yes i mean i think it's a complex issue and Certainly, we need the building blocks of the comprehensive sexual and reproductive health education so that uh, young women can understand their bodies, understand how HIV works, understand how they can protect themselves. But we cannot do that in isolation, and we obviously need very uh, to be sure that we can link uh, that those education efforts to accessing services. And then we start looking at services. Are they accessible? Are condoms available? Are condoms available in schools? Mm. Um, are, are service providers, whether the, uh, the nurses at the clinics, are they, are they welcoming to young women coming to access contraceptive services and accessing condoms? We hear lots of stories of service providers, and I know it's not all of them, but to chase girls away from clinics, say so you're too young to be having sex. Are our educators and uh, perhaps frontline staff not acknowledging that young people are having sex? We can see from the data, from the HIV data, from the, the rates of teenage pregnancy that they definitely are. And we need to be able to provide uh, uh, services that respond to that, so education that responds to that, access to service that responds to that. Mm. But that we also that it goes beyond those service providers, that families and parents and caregivers and grandparents uh, and communities support young women to to um, move through adolescence safely, that they can access uh, uh, um, services to help protect them. Um, and further, that we need to work with young women to build goals, okay. to build, uh, to have ambitions so that they uh, can can have dreams that they achieve, um, that we build resilience in them, that we build uh, tenacity and patience so they don't opt for the blesser option, mm. um, but that they that they have opportunities to quality education, to tertiary education, and and dreams to do to do more and do it for themselves. Yeah, it's it, it's a lot that needs to be done. Then I mean, you listen to all the things you've talked about, the amount of resources that need to be pumped into access to opportunity for young people, uh, for young women specifically, are massive. But I want to open up the lines on this one. Give us a call, 0891-104-207. Again, 0891-104-207. Where are we failing in educating youth on HIV and AIDS? That's the, that's, that's the question I'm asking the listeners. But I'm going to take a break. When I come back... Uh, Debbie and Dr. Andrew, I think what we should talk about is what is it that we've learned from the 21st AIDS conference as it takes place in Durban? Um, it is, what, 16 years since the last time we had the conference hosted here in South Africa. What do we take away from this conference? Where, what are the steps that we hope to have fulfilled in the next 16 years when we uh, move into the next conference? Hopefully there won't be a need for one. But if we do, what should we be talking about 16 years from now? In tune with Naledi Maleo on SAFM. So, Dr. Ngofu corrected my stat. Uh, she says 12% of girls are HIV positive by the time they reach matric. Still a very high number, right? So, what are we doing wrong in educating young people on HIV and AIDS? What's the new approach that we should be using? Because, you know, we've been, we've been running these educational programs for over 20 years. What are we not doing right? Kalala's on the line from Cape Town. Kalala, good afternoon. My call. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Sister and lady, mm. there is one thing we are doing wrong in education. Mm. We are sugarcoating what is bad. Let me make it clear. I'm not an old man yet, mm. but I'm on, I'm on the 35. Okay. In my days, we were told no sex until you are married. Sorry, in our days, 
we say sex is beautiful, protect yourself. Mm. The whole conference will follow it. The whole advert, no one says no sex to young girls. They only say sex is beautiful to it. Sister lady, this is epidemic that kills. Mm. Even though we know there is many people who are HIV are living healthy, that's not the message we should give. The message we understand with democracy, we say, is the right to have sex. But what about losing people? Because people are having sex irresponsible way. So mm. blaming sugar daddy, blaming is not going to help. Because I do remember three weeks ago, if it's not you, it's Masishaba Osakina. Mm. You had the show with students. I don't know student organization, something women about raping. Mm. There is a lady who said clearly, with all confidence, that no, the issue is the rape, the sugar daddy things and whatever, it's a mutual thing. People come along to do it. So to that lady, when she answered that it found that it's okay for a young lady to date an older man, we will never win that battle because our lady, they think it's okay. Because she did say it on a national radio, clearly. That no, that's not a problem because it's not a rap, it's a mutual thing. People come along and do it. So we will never win that battle. The battle yeah. is let's okay. educate our children. We must not put their right too much. We need to put also the right to life first, yeah. which is to do what is responsible. If we can take out that message, like my days, I'm saved today because that message was there. Okay. And we grow up like that. All I believe right. many people grow up with that moral. Even you. I think so. You grew up with that moral. Then mm. why today we don't want that moral? Why? All right, Kalala, thanks for calling. Uh, um, you know what? It's, it's, it's really easy for us to say, um, oh, no, Kalala is taking a really you know, hard stance on this. But there are some really valid points there. And, Debbie, you, I think you should respond to that. We've glamorized sugar daddies. I mean, the fact that we have blesser and blessy terms right now that we use, Five years ago, when you talk sugar daddies, I don't think it, it, it sounded as glamorous and it does, as it does now. Um, we, we've taken the, the beauty out of abstinence in the way we talk to young people about sex. Do you agree with that, Debbie? Well, I think it's difficult. I mean, I do think it's a complex uh, challenge, and I think that given the economic uh, circumstances that many young women live in, uh, it is appealing. It does seem appealing. Their friends do it. Perhaps they don't see the longer-term risks that, that it can lead to. Um, and I do think that we need to talk to young women that we build their own self-worth, their own uh, self-efficacy to motivate them, that they don't necessarily need to turn to blessers. Um, however, also to give them the skills that if they do, that they can negotiate safe condom use, that they can be uh, yeah, protect themselves as much as they can. Mm. Obviously, I think... We need to avoid unintended consequences of media, media or um, attention that gets paid to, to blessers and that, that, that unintentionally makes it more appealing yes. um, uh, and that people you know, fall for that really. And we need to give women, young women other options, I think, and, and that's, of course, a hard, hard ask. Um, you, you spoke earlier about the conference and you know, where we were at with this. This was a major theme at the conference last week, talking about uh, the challenge of young women and girls. Um, what other options do we have 
um, how can we how can we change this landscape? Mm. Um, and and of course we'd love to have the answers, but it's not it's not a one simple answer. Um, what I can say is that there's a lot of political will and leadership around this, um, which is very encouraging coming out of the conference. Uh, there's a, a major campaign underway for, for adolescent girls and young women. Mm. There's lots of uh, donors. There's a big uh, campaign called the Dreams Initiative, where the aim is to build determined and resilient, empowered, aids free and mentored safe young women. But, you know, that responsibility is, is not the responsibility of one um, you know, government or the responsibility of the frontline workers or NGOs working in a space, but it's also the responsibility of community leaders and families and yeah. parents and the media and each one of us as well. Mm, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Lou, I haven't forgotten about you. We just have two callers on the line that we need to take. Yanush is on the line in Cape Town. Yanush, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. I think the problem is our mentality. Uh, the issue that uh, you mentioned about it, there's three Twelve uh, percent of girls and percent of, of boys or men are, can, can be infected by the AIDS. I mean that one man can uh, can have a sex with three ladies and then and then pass the, the AIDS to them. Uh, in, in our traditional black people tradition, it's normal for the men to have a sex with as many. As many girls and women no, 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 that's not, without any responsibility. No, that's not. I, that's, I, I there thought, is I no black that, tradition that says men can have sex with as many women with no sense of responsibility. That is in no one's culture. But it's just like that, you know. Because also from other other angle, is it is it is it okay? Uh, I mean, is it criminal when the girl uh, got a, a, a child at the age of 13? That means that someone like there is a man who is responsible for that. What about uh, maintenance, uh, payment for the? We have to find out the the, the need to punish those who actually impregnate the girls and you know they leave them alone and then okay. government and we taxpayers are paying for for they you know for the pleasure of having the sex with All right. and Janusz, I think um, uh, thanks for calling in and sharing your views i think what you what you've done is you you didn't listen to what we were talking about when we shared those stats we didn't say that 12% of all women are hiv positive and 4% of all men or HIV positive. We're talking about young people by the time they get to matric. Girls, 12% of them are HIV positive. 4% of boys are HIV positive by the time they get to matric. And that's not because men are having sex with, you know, and it's, it's culturally accepted that men will have sex with everybody uh, and, and with no sense of responsibility. Steve is on the line in Cape Town. Steve, good, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Mm. Um, you know, every time I... I listened to a program about HIV and AIDS on SAFM. So many callers phone in with this, with a morality and abstinence um, angle. And that is it's completely unhelpful because actually sex should be encouraged in, uh, as something beautiful. People are having sex. It's like holding hands, you know, and, as, and what should be encouraged is um, is, the sa- is having safe sex, safer sex, should mm-hmm. I say, mm-hmm. and not this thing of like, oh, you know, uh, morally it's wrong and you should wait and you should abstain. That's not going to help because people are not going to listen to that and they're just going to think, oh, you know, the government and the older generation are, are, are a bunch of prudes and we're just going to go ahead 
in our own way. Yeah, Steve, just, just, let me just ask you a few questions, right? And you, you make the point around, if, you, if, we, if we go the stance of morality, we're just making things worse. But we've mm. been quite liberal about the way we've been addressing HIV awareness in South Africa for a very long time. We preach ABC as a way of protecting yourself from, from AIDS. So A, abstain, uh, B, be uh, faithful, and C, compromise. That, those are quite liberal options that, that we give to no. young people, right? And, and yet well, we're still think, failing. No, I don't think abstain is a liberal option at all. I think the opposite should be the case. The opposite should be the case. It's like education about the pleasures of sex should be in the education program. And if that is the case, because people are having sex because it's pleasurable, so if you reinforce that, that sex is pleasurable, this is how to even make it more pleasurable, and but, um, but have safer sex, use condoms always, then I think you will have the ear of, of youth. Hmm. That That's is, my view. Yeah, that, that, that is a very controversial point, Steve. Thanks for calling in. Dr. Andrew, I think you should come in there. Um, uh, 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 Steve says, educate young people on how pleasurable sex can be. In fact, uh, teach them how to make it more pleasurable. Just make sure that you teach them how to be safe. Is that the way we should go? Um. Now, lady, I'm not sure if you were sending to me the question. Mm. But um, I think my point would be one of the things that we learned during this conference, now, lady, which mm. is more important than anything else, is the young girls themselves who were saying, but we are not at the center of this discussion. And as a result, we are all making decisions or talking about them and not the ones who are talking about themselves of what should be happening. For me, that was a, the hardest lesson in everything that we've done. Mm. Because whether Stephen says we should talk about it, we should make sex the prime, whether somebody says we should abstain, I think the young women are the ones who should be telling us what should be. Mm. Because at the end, everything else that we've done, as we are rightly saying, seems not to have worked for us. But I'm going to share one thing that was said by one young lady that stuck in my head. And it stuck, it was, she said, now she's at varsity, at foundation, mm. this age group, and she was involved in sex with older people. She says, where I grew up in one township, I did not have one, one role model. Mm. Just somebody to look up to as a young woman and be able to take me through of what is required. Mm. So I agree with um, the issue of the comprehensiveness of our response, which means besides prevention, Besides education, the issue of empowerment and building the woman for who she is. Because once she knows who she is and what she wants, the choices then she makes are choices not, that are not the choices that are based on saying there's an older man, there's somebody. It's the choices on what she wants. And let us all start saying to the young women, what is it that we are contributing? But let her be the one who's the center of this discussion. For me, that was my take-home message in terms okay. of the whole conference. All right. And just one last caller. Peter Wiley's on the line from Grahamstown. Uh, yeah, my lady, I yes. was misquoted because I used Google voice typing. But let me just say that as a female, you must be horrified at the number of young girls being infected. Now, if it's you were to now. try and empower the young girls by continually broadcasting the fact that it's pure criminality, number one, 
to have sex with an underage girl, and number two, yes. to knowingly infect them. Because um, there, there are cases where, and I'm sure it can be proven, mm. that the, the male knows that he's got the HIV virus and he thinks that he can cure himself by having sex with a person who's clean. It's a notion which is really exists. infantile. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and you should empower people. the girls with education. Yeah, Peter, as I, I to the way, sorry, the way they can prosecute these males who infect. Because if you were to put poison into a person's food, which slowly kills them, it would be murder. It's exactly the same with a virus that slowly kills a person. Right, yeah, Peter. Thank you so much for calling in. I think that's that's our last call. Debbie, final thoughts from you. I think Peter Peter's made a very valid point, right? Uh, well, yes. Yes, I think, I mean, let's go back to the education side. Let's uh, uh, look at um, motivating young women, building them, building their self-belief, building their ambition. I think that is is what we need to do. And, and as, uh, as the other guest mentioned, it's putting women at the center, putting the youth at the center. Let's listen to their voice. And while we work with building young women and girls, we mustn't forget about the, the boys and young men. We need to change um, their perceptions. We need to change the way they view relationships. So yeah. We need to change the way they view equality within relationships so that we can uh, really really change at that level as well. Mm. So while, while girls are and young women are really should be a key focus, we mustn't leave the boys behind as yeah. well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Debbie. Thank you so much for joining us. Dr. Ndrobo, final thoughts from you. I think what we, what we haven't actually touched on is the uh, controversial maiden bursary. And if we think, you know, similar programs are possibly effective in, in, in protecting young girls from HIV. I think for us, one of the things that is important is saying how do we draw in our community in terms of how they find, what is the response that they find as they talk to young women, which would work for them. Mm. So my final word would be let us get everyone involved and not look at this as somebody else's problem. This is our young girls, and let us listen to them. And all sectors of society we at the centre. Government has already launched the program Young Women and Adolescent Girls uh, campaign. It mm. needs all of us. And at the centre of this, it can only be done at the community level. Because mm. that's where families are. That's where all of us are. And that's where that young woman doesn't have a role model. Yes. We are all needed. Yeah. Dr. Ndrovi, thank you so much for your time. Thanks to both my guests, Dr. Figile Ndrovu, General Manager at Chief Directorate of HIV and AIDS for the province of KwaZulu-Natal, and Debbie Fanzale, Co-Director of the Community Media Trust.